very long episode and we have yet another special guest for you. We are joined now by the CEO and founder of Fold, Will Reeves. Will, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. It's a beautiful day in Arizona. Good to be here, guys. Love that. Love that. Uh, and just as a, a quick aside before we dive into it all, Will will also be one of the speakers at Bitcoin 22 in Miami. So if you're really cold where you are and you're hearing that I'm in LA or Will's in Arizona and you're jealous of that weather, come pop down to Miami next week. Use code YTMAG, get 10% off so Chris and I can keep our jobs and come hang out with us. I know I promised you guys a lot that if you see me at the conference, we will smoke weed together. I have to yet again disclose that no, I cannot smoke weed at the conference. I was explicitly told to say that on air every day this week. So this is me fulfilling my duties. Thank you, Pete Rizzo. Um, let's dive in though. Will, uh, I'm a big user of Fold. I don't use it in the way that most of your users use it. Um, talk to us a little bit about the inception of the gift cards and getting Bitcoin back and sort of how that came to be in your mind. Yeah. I mean, Fold as a, as I, I like to think Fold has kind of followed the trajectory of, of Bitcoin's kind of narrative, right? We started out as a way for you to get Bitcoin by um, selling us a gift card and we'd give you Bitcoin. And then from there, we were working through that and um, found that, hey, there's a lot of people who are mining Bitcoin, who are living on Bitcoin, who have zero way to actually interact and like, you know, get the services they need. So let's actually go the reverse, allow people to spend their Bitcoin, give them a gift card so they can actually interact and, you know, go about their daily life. And so that really was the kind of first turning point in in the product. And, you know, a lot of our first users are OG miners and people who went all in before the, you know, get on zero folks are hashtagging. People have been doing that for many, many years. And so Fold has uh, been able to grow alongside that group. And along that way, we said, okay, um, well, we think this could go way bigger. Well, how, how do you actually crack beyond this very small group of people who is living on, on their Bitcoin and actually extend it to a much broader reach and that we had to solve well how do you how do you get people bitcoin who don't have it in a way that's fun low friction and so from there it was hey how about let's partner with these merchants to then give you bitcoin as a reward instead of cash back and so from there that was one of the big inflection points within fold that kind of matched with the you know 2017 run up massive you know consumer you know uh, attention coming in a lot of new entrants to the space a lot of people asking what is bitcoin how do i get it and we really rode that wave and uh, that kind of led us to where we are today it's that idea of you know flipping it to cash back so that more people can get access uh, talk to me a little bit about just sort of the process from going first from this collecting Bitcoin or collecting gift cards for Bitcoin and then reversing that what internally, how do you shift the mindset of your entire business model in essence, and then take it a step further to now with all the credit cards that you guys are offering and partnering with Visa? I mean, that's the start of life is, is, is really finding product market fit. But the, the interesting thing about, you know, where Fold was, it's not, you know, most startups get to find product market fit for their service. But Fold was not only finding product market fit for our service, but also as Bitcoin was finding product market fit itself as, as a protocol and monetary network. And so people were using it for all different sorts of things. Um, they were using it early on to um, to transact um, more freely, to um, have unseizable money. They were using it for um, to send cross-border payments, so things that just weren't being serviced by the existing financial system. And so for us, it was constantly watching as the protocol developed, evolved, was adopted by new people who then presented new use cases, and then tweaking our existing product to kind of serve them. And so um, allow them to make better use of Bitcoin or to allow them to have, you know, Bitcoin make a larger impact in their lives. And so for us, it was really about working. And this is kind of what we, we is core to the bit to, to you know, our business now is being very, very close to our users because our community has always been the group that shows us where to go next, what to build next. And so I would tell you that evolution is entirely about the 
Um, as much about Bitcoin finding product market fit and fold responding to our community around how Bitcoin starts to evolve and what value it's giving to you, whether that's a means of exchange, you know, as a savings asset, a remittance asset, you know, you name it. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what, if, what you can share of the conversations that you had with Visa. And what that sort of had, what were you trying to say to convince them? How did you have to explain lightning to them? What were their questions like? Obviously, what what you are able and allowed to share. Yeah, I mean, I'll say the, the world we're operating in today and so these conversations I have today are far and away different than, you know, what they were years ago. And there are people even before me who are making these inroads with these larger institutions, whether that's, you know, uh, uh, corporations like Visa or government bodies or just their, you know, the people around them. And um, a lot of it at the beginning was people just didn't understand the value proposition because Bitcoin tends to be adopted at the fringes. It, 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 is, a, it is a tool that um, is very powerful for those who are underserved or who are being who are being actively blocked from, from engaging in the economic system. And so it looks like it kind of comes from the edges. And so when you th start to think about that and are making these kind of conversations with, you know, more entrenched established organizations who are exist at the center, they don't understand it. And they're actually a little bit threatened by it. And so one of the things that fold and like, I've always had to say is that, you know, Fold has always, and this is true of any kind of early Bitcoin company, you always had to be the most buttoned up person in the room or else you wouldn't, you wouldn't get the, you wouldn't get, you know, the meeting, you wouldn't get, you know, the contract, you just wouldn't get, you know, you wouldn't get your message across at all. And so part of what Fold has always done, both as a company, but also as our, you know, what we, the, pro the product we provide is to make Bitcoin feel more accessible. Like, hey, there's, there are real things that Bitcoin can do in everyday people's lives. Hey, we give Bitcoin cash back as, as a service. Why is that better? Number one, it's way more free for, than the way that people can make use of it. It also, hey, look, inflation's you know hovering at eight percent. Our users are averaging four or five percent back on their purchases here. That's a great tool to combat inflation there. And essentially, a lot of our users don't really feel the effects of this in, inflation. Isn't that strange? Why is that happening? And so. Uh, it really was a long learning process about what was effective, what lines of communication were. But at the end of the day, really, this wasn't my um, thing. Bitcoin constantly was making the case itself. And the people that were adopting it made the case. The, it, 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 it was impossible to then just pigeonhole Bitcoin to be, you know, dark web, you know, use cases. It, it really was every single day we were getting more and more um, understanding of how Bitcoin is delivering incredible real value to regular everyday people. And that case was just built brick by brick by brick. And that just helped me point to that more and more, which made these conversations easier and easier. And so as much as I like, you know, to say that Fold is responsible for a lot of this or I was to get these inroads, it was really the collective Bitcoin network, meaning the people, um, engaging with it, the, the technology hardening and developing, and also the, you know, continued proof of, Hey, this thing is the, you know, the hardest, most unseizable asset ever to come on, you know, into, uh, in history that all built a case that was just becoming undeniable. It became an inevitability. And from there you get people start to capitulate and then say, okay, we'll take the meeting. We'll hear about what's going on. I take your comment about being buttoned up as a direct attack on my chest hair. So I'm going to stop talking now and pass the mic off to my co-host. How's it going, Will? Uh, so I actually use your product more like, I guess, traditionally what someone would expect with a debit card. Uh, I, you know, at first I kind of thought the spinning of the wheel was a little uh, novice or I was like, why would I do this? And then, you know, definitely it has the game theory that it gets me excited. A question that I pitched to you because um, just in these last two years, things have changed a lot. Even I'd say in the last three to six months, things have changed very rapidly, as you can see by what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, also what happened to the Canadian truckers. Uh, my question to you is, I guess, how do you see Fold uh, progressing in the future? Are you guys trying to be for mass use or for very niche use? Are you guys trying to sup, uh, like supplant the legacy financial system or be in conjunction with the two? I, I know I threw a lot at you there, but if you could yeah. uh, describe that. You know, Fold's always been, we've, 
you know, we, we are here to provide a product that gives, you know, Bitcoin more ability to kind of um, make inroads with more people. And so we consider ourselves a bridge, both as a product, a bridge between legacy and, you know, what we believe is the future of finance, which is, you know, based on built on top of Bitcoin, um, according to the rules of Bitcoin. Um, we also build a product that has in inherent incentives involved. You mentioned spinning. We have other referral things there. All of that is to create a phenomenon around thing to create Bitcoin to become a conversation starter. And this is why Fold has grown. You know, there's plenty of cashback, you know, Bitcoin companies out there, but there's none quite like Fold and that have grown as much as Fold. And that's partly why, uh, because our attention to how social dynamics work and how Bitcoin is essentially a meme, it's magic internet money. So how can we use the um, inherent uh, adoption cycle that Bitcoin is already doing and kind of latch onto that and bring with it. So the, these concepts of spinning and things are all about memes of how can you bring it into the rest of your life. The fact of, you know, a daily spin, all these things keeps Bitcoin on top of your mind every single day. And not only that, it's the easiest way that you can give someone else to start getting Bitcoin and to start their journey. And so for us, we do believe that we are going to be straddling the world of traditional finance and bridging people into this new world of Bitcoin finance. And so our main first objective was, hey, how do we get more people access to Bitcoin? That was the primary one. So let's get, people can't enjoy the benefits of Bitcoin if they don't have it. So we solved that problem with, uh, with the idea of um, being able to earn it on your everyday purchases, low friction, everyone already does it. And what you're starting to see now is that, you know, we have hundreds of thousands of people using this product every day who are earning Bitcoin. Now, what kind of value can they get out of, uh, out of, out of Bitcoin beyond just earning it? How can they use it via the Lightning Network? You know, Fold was one of the earliest um, nodes on the Lightning Network, one of the earliest to actually provide, you know, real commercial services over Lightning, you know, very small handfuls, a handful. So we've always been on the, on the cusp of introducing new developments in the Bitcoin ecosystem to everyday consumers who can value from it. So you're going to continue to see that. And so we launched our debit card, first debit card for you to swipe and earn Bitcoin. Um, and next, you're going to start to see some pretty innovative products of that take that concept to the next level. You know, how can we apply this model of, you know, Bitcoin, not only as a, you know, um, incredible asset to transact and send to uh, you know exchange with but what about bitcoin as collateral how can that empower people in their everyday lives to get an access to really great credit based on the bitcoin they have not with predatory consumer credit not with all of these various things that have been able to exclude people from the system but how does fold create a product that brings more people in and gives them superpowers they never had before and that's all done through bitcoin that's a good answer. I guess, so with you being in line with the legacy financial system, I know Bitcoiners, we get a lot of FUD thrown at us, whether it's environmental issues, whether it's, you know, we're boiling the oceans was the meme uh, just even last year. So I guess, how do you uh, supplant yourself or go alongside the legacy financial system and actually, I guess, teach them while actually not getting, you know, yourself and your users uh, removed from the legacy financial system. If you go out against something they say, whether it's about Bitcoin's FUD or it could be about anything, it could be religious-based, race-based, color-based. I mean, it could be a whole host of reasons that they target Bitcoiners or yeah, per se no, you and your company. There's, there's no end to that. And there won't there won't be for a while. It's gonna, just going to get, you know, it's only going to increase. We are at the, and then they fight us uh, portion of things. But what where we're at now is that, you know, when Fold first approached some of these players, whether it's merchants or Visa about saying, hey, people want Bitcoin as a reward. And a lot of them said, maybe, not really. And I don't believe it. Uh, we created a product that made it undeniable. Our numbers showed them, holy shit, this is something that we have to pay attention to. And now these corporations have created whole programs around catering to Bitcoin companies. And we were the first, you know, uh, Visa's Fast Track is a good example. Uh, we were, it's a program to accelerate you through the Visa ecosystem, get you set up, get you to market quick. Fold was the first Bitcoin company accepted in this program. And now uh, I think every single day I hear of a new Bitcoin company going through that program. And this is all about, at the end of the day, it's, you know, you can talk a lot about the benefits of Bitcoin and why it's great for the world and why it change it. But the most powerful thing for these entrenched legacy players is look at that volume Look at how valuable, look at all those users that we're losing. Look at all that money is now going from, you know, this, this card to this card. Look at how, look at their adoption, look at their growth. Those types of things are undeniable. 
And once they see those numbers, those economic impact, they cannot look away. And so this is true for our merchant partners who at first, you know, were trying to maybe shut us down for using, you know, their gift cards now are saying, wow, we need to, how can we um, deepen our relationship? Because uh, you're sending us, you bring us new customers, you bring us new volume. And so we're, we're ultimately just speaking in the incentive structure of the legacy system of, you know, more, more people using their, their products, um, more money flowing through their system. It just happens to be a different type of money now. But at the end of the day, they don't really care about that. They they're, have their own incentives. And so it's always been my goal to really look at what are the incentives of the traditional system and how can we kind of hack our way into that in a way that has the ability to kind of promote adoption of Bitcoin within those organizations. Yeah, I've got one more question real quick. So selfishly, I'm going to ask this as a user. I've been dying to get uh, a Bitcoin credit card. I've held off on using a couple other platforms because uh, maybe their values don't align with me or they use other altcoins per se uh, for their service. But I'm, I'm curious, I'll, I'll pitch it to you whether you can tell me now or if you have a big announcement at the conference potentially for bringing a, a Bitcoin credit card. That's something that I've really been looking forward to. And I know there's been delays uh, for whatever reason for that being held up, if you want to. Yeah, I mean, when, when we talk about, you know, the market right now, I know Fold came out first debit card, uh, Bitcoin cash back. Um, and now there's a few, there's more debit cards come along the way. That was one of the things I said is, Hey, folds first, but they're going to be hundreds in the next year or two years. And we're, we're seeing that happen. It's amazing to see. And we see the introduction of a couple of credit cards, but really at the end of the day, if you look at a lot of these, you know, one of the things that I think is important about being a Bitcoin company is that you're not just a throwing, slapping Bitcoin onto a traditional structure. You're actually embedding the values of Bitcoin within the product in a big way. And so there are products out there, there are credit cards out there that look, act like a credit card, normally high interest rates, only for a few select few people with, you know, credit scores that meet a certain threshold that live within a certain geographic area. All of these things are not changing what a credit card is because of Bitcoin. It's just slapping Bitcoin rewards onto an existing thing without really changing the underlying ethos or architecture of how it works. And so Fold has always tried to take, hey, how do we actually change these existing structures and imbue Bitcoin at the very heart of it? And what does that look like? And anytime you do that, the path to that takes a little bit longer because I have to take, you know, you're taking the existing legacy system with you. But I will say, I believe the market is very much ready for a new type of product, a new type of credit card that throws out the idea of a credit score, that throws out the idea of predatory interest rates, that throws out the idea of geographical constraints and focuses on one thing that credit is really good at doing, unleashing human potential in a, in a, in a big way. And right now it's only been really at the, um, uh, available to a small select group of privileged people that live in a very privileged, you know, area of the world um, that are, you know, allowed in by this random gatekeepers who score everybody. It's such a strange thing. And so I will say that the, the product that is really going to change, I believe, make a big change in the world is one that's going to open access to amazing, good credit to everybody, regardless of all of this, these historical trappings. And so if Fold does anything around this, it's it's not going to be it's not going to be hey um, you know there are Bitcoin other Bitcoin credit cards out there. This is a totally different understanding of what a credit card can be and what a credit card can do and who can use it. And so uh, I will say, don't expect a thing that is just slaps Bitcoin onto it, but expect how does the world change? How does the idea of credit change on a Bitcoin standard? And that's what Fold is ultimately going to be executing on bringing to market. You are well within your right to not answer this, but I have to press on a couple of things right now. Are you potentially insinuating that you guys would operate as the bank and give your clients a credit line? Uh, so what we will be offering is again, uh, the, the kind of first thing we solved was how do we get people to um, be able to earn Bitcoin? Second was, hey, how do you transact with it? That was our use of the Lightning Network. Let's give people a way to actually live on Lightning and actually be able to tr transact with others. And all of that is about solving what is great about Bitcoin as a medium of exchange. The next big solve is what happens when Bitcoin achieve, uh, becomes its, uh, you know, what I believe is one of its big potentials is as pristine collateral. 
that's used to underwrite people and use their ability to live on their Bitcoin and unlock, unlock and unleash their economic power based on a Bitcoin standard. And so uh, whatever Fold builds in this is going to absolutely be pointing to a world where users can take and live on Bitcoin in a way that unlocks their ability to you know, have economic spending power in the, in the world they live in today. So it doesn't preclude you from uh, you know, accessing the financial services that you know, everyone does need to rely on, but it's going to be in different incentives and it's going to be accessible to different types of people than, than historically has been you know, given access. And the one key thing here is instead of a credit score or some sort of credit worthiness, you guys would require Bitcoin in essence as your sort of entry point, if you will. Yeah, I mean, the, the credit score is a, a, a extremely um, uh, outdated understanding of how to do things. It's a gatekeeper saying yes or no based on these very arbitrary um, uh, uh, variables that are reported by people with perverse incentives. And historically, that has really hurt a lot of a lot of good people, and um, we don't feel that that's that's not a thing that we bring to market. And so it's very simple to bring to a, you know a credit card to market. It's not simple to change essentially the entire gatekeeping structure of who get who gets access to credit and not. And we believe that Bitcoin is both the perfect medium of exchange in the world that it's unlocked by lightning, but it's also the perfect pristine collateral to underwrite and give credit worthiness. And so we don't really have any need for things like a credit score in that type of world. Talk to me a little bit because I, I am in the class of people who genuinely believes that the lightning network is going to just fully usurp the entire credit card industry. Visa, MasterCard will be left obsolete. Uh, where does Fold fit into that equation in this I mean, future scenario, uh, next product? Yeah, so you look at, you know, uh, uh, Lightning Network obsoletes a lot of these existing payment systems in a lot of ways. It brings the cost of transaction to zero. Um, it has zero um, international borders. It really needs to respect a lot of amazing things that obsolete it. There are things that Bitcoin and Lightning doesn't do. And that's all on the service level. That's all the things like, you know, protection against fraud and all, all these various things that just don't really exist with Lightning because it doesn't need to. It's a, it's just the it's the protocol. It's it's incumbent on the apps building on top of it to bring this level of expected service to the end users. And so that's what Fold really looks at. Is like we're not here to change Bitcoin. We're not here to change the Lightning Network. We're here to augment it by providing great services on top that only increase its addressable market to more and more people. And so. Uh, I think in the long term, there's nothing stopping Lightning Network from usurping these uh, networks. And we're seeing that start to chip away every, every day. Um, what you are going to see, though, is a bunch of uh, um, Bitcoin companies focused on this experience layer on top. And that's what Fold has always focused on. You know, again, we, um, we try to be the first to adopt a lot of these you know, new protocols coming out, whether that is that it is. You know, Lightning Network and, and others, and we try to give access to users, but we augment them with services. How do you use a Lightning Network to access, you know, your everyday need for goods and services in the real world that don't maybe don't accept um, uh, Bitcoin right now? Fold gave that bridge, and we're going to do the same thing in regards to you know debit product, credits, all of the other things. Curious, if I'm understanding and following you correctly, your guys is new product offering would be a layer three above lightning or would it be parallel to as a layer two with lightning? So uh, it's, it will use lightning as the, you know, payment rails, just and it will use Bitcoin's, you know, the core protocol, layer one. Um, what I'm saying is that there are a lot of things that people use Visa and MasterCard and others for that the protocol itself doesn't solve for. And that's the experiential layer of it. And so you may call that a layer three. For me, I just call it the app level. This is where uh, individual companies, these aren't decentralized protocols, right? This is Fold, right? This is not a decentralized group of you know, open source individuals working on it. This is, an, this is an app layer that's providing a specific brand, a specific experience on top of these decentralized core protocols. And so that is where we See, that is where we operate. You know, we you know we contribute to open source um, development in, in in various ways, but our core business and where we deliver value for our users is 
augmenting those protocols below with just extra services around it that make it easier to use, better to use, more fun, more valuable in your everyday life while maintaining the uh, core principles of those protocols. And again, again, we're not here to change Bitcoin. We're here to augment it at the app level. That's not, you know, that's a, it's a very different thing. You know, some people say Bitcoin's too slow. So they decide to change Bitcoin's core protocol. Instead, it's like, you know, how do we augment it? This is how then we get lightning network. Just it's about layering on top these various things. And so that's where Fold really shines and that's where we'll stay. My fellow plebs, the Bitcoin conference is back. Bitcoin 2022, April 6th through the 9th is the ultimate pilgrimage for the Bitcoin ecosystem. The Bitcoin conference is the biggest event in all of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. We're leveling up and making this bigger and better than ever. I'm talking straight to the moon with the four day long festival in the heart of Miami at the Miami Beach Convention Center. This has something for everyone. Whether you are a high-powered Bitcoin entrepreneur, a core developer, or a Bitcoin newbie, Bitcoin 2022 is the ultimate place for you to be with your people and celebrate and learn about the Bitcoin culture. So make sure to go to b.tc forward slash conference to lock in your official tickets and use promo code Satoshi for 10% off. Want more off? Pay in Bitcoin and you'll receive $100 off general admission and $1,000 off whale pass. Those are stackable. So go to b.tc forward slash conference and attend the best conference in Bitcoin history. Uh, I love that. And you actually feed into now sort of the next topic I kind of wanted to discuss with you, which is the idea of decentralization. Uh, shout out Pete Rizzo for not joining us today. He wrote an excellent article about the ideas of decentralization. Everyone needs to go over to Forbes and check out Pete Rizzo's newest article about that. Um, but you bring up Fold, you guys are a company. You are the CEO. If Biden wanted to call you tomorrow to do something with Fold and your user base, like I'm not necessarily saying you are going to do it, but there is that centralized point right there. Um, talk to us a little bit broadly about your sort of beliefs of the decentralized aspect of Bitcoin and how individual businesses like Fold or exchanges that get incorporated incorporated into Bitcoin are helpful and also to a degree hurtful to the yeah. entire Bitcoin ecosystem. So when you're talking about adding this, this experience layer that I'm talking about on top of these protocols, uh, you introduce um, convenience, accessibility, value, and you also introduce points of failure. Um, and you, that's constantly a balance you have to play. And so there are a, there's a kind of a vein of Bitcoin companies out there who explicitly try to, um, provide the services without, with mitigating a much of that risk of points of failure. So the good examples of this are, you know, with full, you're not holding Bitcoin with us. You are encouraged to withdraw your Bitcoin as regularly as possible. Uh, Swan does a great job of this. Um, companies that are about non-custodial ways of interacting with their Bitcoin, but given access to these services. And I think a lot of the future of these things is you, you actually look at it is that, you know, in the past banks, you know, traditional finance, they've won because how money, how much assets can I get under management? That's when they're doing really good. How much people's money can I hold? Bitcoin companies and Bitcoiners know that's the thing you do not want to do. That introduce more risks, that introduce a lot more uncertainty for your own, own business and makes you a target for regulatory bodies and, and other things. And so there's a whole world and a whole vision where Bitcoin companies, and I think the ones that I really deeply respect are ones that build a product that are compatible with non-custodial um, uh, non-custodial services. So this is why you don't need to custody your Bitcoin with Fold to then be able to spend your Bitcoin. Hey, you can bring any wallet you want. You can spend it on, and to get access to all our services. Hey, you can earn Bitcoin and you don't, we encourage you to take it off as fast as possible. So withdraw it to your own, own address and wallet. So you start to think of the composability and really the central points of failure are when you're holding Bitcoin. That's when you're, when you're holding it on behalf of others. And so I think really the future and any, one building responsibly in the ecosystem needs to constantly be working towards that. Now, some of these things are not possible. 
yet, but they're things that you can work, work towards support, whether supporting open source development, whether bringing it onto your roadmap to work into that, there are a bunch of ways to do it. But if you are not, if you don't have a strategy for how your company is built to interact with non-custodial, you know, services and ways for users to hold their own Bitcoin and interact and get the value from your service, I think you're going down the wrong path. Ultimately, you're just re recreating exactly what, you know, came before. And so, you will see, and there are a lot of other companies, again, what I say, like there's Bitcoin companies that really try to have Bitcoin change these services in a big way. And there's others that just slap it on to it and don't actually look at how that creates an attack vector for Bitcoin. You know, it's not great that, you know, that so much Bitcoin is held on centralized exchanges. To your point, that only makes Bitcoin more vulnerable for a small group of people, but the protocol at the end of the day is okay. I love that. And I'm not shy to say Coinbase, we're talking about you. Will may be too shy to say it, but I am not. I am talking about you, Coinbase. Um, talk to me a little bit though. I, you have explained this very well thus far uh, about how you guys are not just slapping on Visa. You're not just adhering to the, the systems that have led us to where we are and why we had to create Bitcoin in the first place. But let's be realistic here. Visa is not sitting there sitting like, oh, well, you know what? Fold is going to help us figure this out. We're going to move on to the next day and age. They're definitely sitting there thinking, how can we invest Bitcoin? And they're not necessarily using the word invest, but probably a close synonym. How are you protecting me and Chris as your users to prevent Visa from inhibiting just Fold's business first? Yeah, I think uh, when you get into these relationships, you have to go eyes wide open. You have to be very careful about who you're working with. And so this is part of all of Fold services. And this is, again, something you have to look at. You know, every every Bitcoin company has to look at all their third-party custodians. You know, you'd be kind of shocked to know how many Bitcoin companies are just wrappers around centralized custodians, the same one, like they, that service everybody. And part of that is because those custodians maybe have signaled that they are better partners to than than others. And so, you know, we have Bitcoin companies making that 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 trade-off and that decision. But it is to your point, is you're looking after your your customers, every partnership you make. And so that is a critical piece to the whole equation. And so when we talk about things with Visa, is that really we don't have any um, uh, surface area that you know they could run away with our users Bitcoin. We keep those sides of the house very kind of separate. You can use the you can use the card, but once you're getting the Bitcoin as a re reward, that's really out of the purview of uh, of them. And so, uh, first step is again being very clear about your strategy of what you do and where, how you're building towards. Are we really recreating the system, or are we trying to do something new? Second is finding partners that allow you to um, do something new within their purview and work with them to bring them along. Like I will tell you that while, um, you know, if you actually go look at the history, the beginnings of um, Visa, the guy who created D Hawk, um, the dude, you go read his white paper, it's, it's a decentralized payments network. Now it's nowhere near what was created by, you know, Satoshi in the white paper, but the there are some through lines in there that do make sense and so to some extent i found that organization to be more um evolved um than than others i'll say um they kind of understand that and it's not that they understand it's not that they, that means that they just want to adopt bitcoin and you know they're the good guys what it means is they understand how incentives work in terms of payments money wants to be free and that's the whole, that was the whole kernel about where Visa even came. Money wants to be borderless. Money wants to be uh, boundless. And so once they see a payments network rising up that promises those very things, they're sure as hell keeping a very close eye on because the same thing that led to their success, they know could lead to their downfall. And so it's all about making sure that you're working with the right people, um, but that only gets you so far. The rest of it, you have to you know, protect yourself and users, which is why at the end of the day, if you're a Bitcoin company that is, does not have a strategy for supporting and furthering non-custodial uh, uses of Bitcoin, you're, you're, you're going the wrong path. Yeah, I think that's all great stuff. And um, I know recently, a couple of weeks ago, there was a, there was a hack of third-party services uh, particularly Swan Bitcoin comes to mind, Unchained Capital, a couple other companies. I think it was a, a total of 30 companies. 
And obviously, uh, some of the data was leaked. Uh, Bitcoin was not hacked, as some people, you know, the, the mainstream media will say Bitcoin was hacked. Bitcoin wasn't hacked. Yeah. There's more third parties that uh, work with Bitcoin companies. So obviously, for Bitcoin companies, that's always a risk using third parties. Uh, do you guys have future plans to try and become your own bank or partner with a, a bank? Like I'm thinking like Avanti. I know Caitlin Long works with them out of Wyoming to even remove work in conjunction with the legacy financial system while I don't want to say breaking your partnership with Visa, but breaking your partnership, I guess, with more legacy traditional banks and going with new ones. Or do you plan on building your own? You know, I, I have deep respect for all of those banks that are, you know, the, the Wyoming movement. All of that is, is, is incredible, you know. At the end of the day, they're, they're still operating with the boundaries that every other bank is. And they, they're going to have similar incentives placed upon them. And what you're really asking is, you know, at what portion, you know, Bitcoin is only impenetrable at the protocol layer. Anything else built on top of it, whether it's the company using a marketing service that gets hacked, or uses a bad, you know, password manager or uses, you know, has poor security practices, everything on top is fair game. And that is something that is already exists in the legacy world and definitely exists in Bitcoin. But when you get the, you know, uh, you know, traditional media looking inside, they're saying, isn't Bitcoin supposed to be unhackable? And maybe a, you know, a marketing uh, platform was hacked and there's a Bitcoin is hacked. Well, it, it definitely wasn't. It's, that's just another FUD vector that uh, seems to play well in the, in the media for them. Um, but again, it's, you know, it's a choice of, you know, Bitcoin, again, this is where we talk about, it. it's not just about slapping Bitcoin on, it's about embracing Bitcoin at the very core of your organization. And that requires you to make some decisions that are harder and that take longer. And there are some great companies out there. Uh, Casa comes to mind that rolls a lot of their own services because they know that build, even though you're building on top of Bitcoin, all of these other uh, additional services you're adding, just add other attack vectors. Now they still exist in the legacy world, but you are introducing them there. And so companies like start nine and self self-sovereign computing is part of the broader Bitcoin movement because of this. It's directly addressing this problem is that you can't have a, a world living on a Bitcoin standard that doesn't also rely on all these other attack vectors without changing a lot of those other things and how those that infrastructure of the, how those work as well. And so, you know, this is a thing that's not going to happen overnight. Um, Bitcoin companies will continue to, to make decisions to say, hey, instead of, you know, I know I build, you know, I'm a Bitcoin exchange. Um, I'm not a marketing platform company. And so like, which, which you know, are you going to send your engineers to work on making the best exchange? Or are you going to say, hey, half of you all are going to build an email platform now? You know, you're not going to get really far if you have to roll your own everything, even though that is the dream. And so the idea is that more and more we need to look at Bitcoin as a movement that supports a wide variety of actors or organizations, companies, open source endeavors that are building up this broader ecosystem so that we can get to where we want to be. Like every Bitcoin company, you know, in five years should be able to say, hey, I don't need HubSpot. I can use, I can use, you know, this self-sovereign, you know, marketing stack that, you know, respects user privacy and has a bunch more guarantees than all the others does. They just don't necessarily exist today in the in the in the way that we need them unless you're making really huge sacrifices on your core product that you know are it's a big thing to make but there are companies doing it i mentioned casa there are others um but again this is not an overnight thing and you always have to be mitigating risk but you're also building a company so those are trade-offs that are constantly going to be on your mind uh talk to us a little bit about some of these government regulations is there anything in your purview or something that you're paying close attention to, whether it's jurisdictions over Bitcoin mining for energy sake, whether it's the legalization or legal tender, is there something in particular that you are paying close attention to? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for us, you know, we, there are some that are more, are more closer to home than, than, than others. So, um, you know, looking at Bitcoin status as, as, as currency in our country is huge. Um, you know, one of the, if, you know, if, you know, we get an announcement, you know, in the next few weeks that, um, you know, Bitcoin status, you know, will be untaxable beneath, you know, a given threshold that will create a huge unlock of value for Bitcoin and more use cases to come up. Any of these things we can kind of chip away. And so um, 
Uh, Bitcoin's uh, uh, exemptions and tax status is huge. Uh, Bitcoin's custodial um, uh, requirements. So a world where Bitcoin needs to be custody with a third party is suddenly does not become Bitcoin anymore. Um, and while you while you will always be able to use it in a non-custodial manner, it definitely is going to um, affect the adoption arc of Bitcoin in a big way. Again, it will stay very much at the edges and the fringes, which is great, which is what Bitcoin is. Uh, that's where Bitcoin's product market fit is. But we also want to make sure that, you know, that we are leading on the edge of, hey, this is, that is, that is a wrong path to go. And here it is. And so Fold really tries to be active in discussions around custody, around uh, Bitcoin's uh, status as currency versus property. Um, as well as um, Bitcoin's ability to be transacted, you know, internationally and things like that. And so, those are at you know core to core to us. But as you said, there are uh, there's no end uh, for FUD. But luckily, you know, this where this industry, you know, was you know even five years ago to where it is now. You know, we have so many people fighting fights for Bitcoin on all fronts. Whereas before, it was you know everyone fighting everything, and you know making, you know, arguably, you know, uh, negligible progress in some ways. Now, now people are, you know, we have actually U.S. senators involved. And that was something that I didn't think was going to happen uh, as fast. But ultimately, Bitcoin is going to continue to be the number one driver of adoption and growth for Bitcoin itself. It is, again, something that is inevitable. All these things that we are doing are just things that can make that journey easier or less painful. Uh, uh, and more fun. Like that's another thing that Fold tries to do. Let's let's Bitcoin is an incredibly serious thing. Uh, it has huge implications for the world, but revolution can be fun too. And so we we try to stay stay close to that. Well, well, it's funny that you say fun. On this show, we like to have a lot of fun. We did not stack sats today live on air like we usually do. However, as Chris and I have both mentioned, we are both Fold users. I have not done my spin today. And Will, you have not heard me curse out your app every single time. It ticks just past the whale pass or just (laughs) past the million dollar stats drop. So I'm going to spin it live and you're going to hear me curse out live this app that will only give me five free sats every damn day. Oh, you're you're just. This is when you hit it. This is, well, yeah, this is it. I'll have the engineers quickly change this. (laughs) And just like that, it's like I called it. I was going to get five free sats. You are a, uh, you are, you are an absolute Oracle, but yeah, you, uh, you are, it's good to hear that my inbox to see a person behind my support inbox of, uh, you know, <laughs> yes, I'm cool. the one who keeps on asking, when am I going to win my whale pass for the event that my company is putting together? The, the good um, thing is, is that if you look at the first, um, the first wheel that we did, I think the smallest prize was like a thousand sats. Like that was the five sats. Um, we gave million million sats at that time was like 20 bucks, 30 bucks, something like that. Um, and you know, we get people asking like, why is that going down? I'm like, this is the magic of Bitcoin. The Bitcoin, when folds wheel prizes go down, that means Bitcoin has gone up. And not only that is that, you know, we have so many users now, you know, spinning that wheel that, I want to give everyone a million sets. I would love to, but unfortunately, uh, again, we have Bitcoin does not solve the money tree problem yet. It is not alchemy itself yet. So um, once I solve that, I'll be able to give you, you know, million sets minimum every spend, but I'm still working on that problem. Uh, I expect that DM like immediately. I'm the first person before your parents, before your, your significant other, I'm the first person you call when you solve that problem, though. You got it, sir. <laughs> um, now to to go back, I think to the government stuff because I think that is the biggest sticking point because a lot of these regulations, as you highlight, uh, will dictate what our futures look like. For all we know, we could turn into having to ba- uh, ban Bitcoin uh, in this in a similar way that China has. Um, I want to play a little bit of hypotheticals and a couple of doomsdays, but speculatively, if someone like Russia, someone like Iran, someone like North Korea were to all domino into Bitcoin very quickly in quick succession. What are your expectations for the U.S.'s stance on Bitcoin? You know, I, I, um, I think that especially what we see going on in the world right now that, you know, we, we like to, um, we may think that, you know, ideals about when principles, you know, are, you know, behind it are bullshit and just what people do. Um, 
uh, at the end of the day. And I think big, uh, uh, you know, this country is at an inflection point and many on many sides about, hey, are, are those principles are are those, you know, dreams of what this country can be real? Is this like now we, it's a crossroads, we get to actually make some of these decisions. And historically, for the last, you know, 100 years or so, we, we, we haven't quite um, maybe lived up to a lot of those principles. And I think Bitcoin is a wonderful moment to um, reify a lot of that, to change that course. And I think Bitcoin is uniquely something that fits in with an American ideal. Although I'm also equally bullish on the fact that that torch may have been passed and that folks like um, other countries recognizing Bitcoin um, and adopting Bitcoin as legal tender as a way to deliver freedom for their people. Maybe that's where you know, those principles live elsewhere now. And that's totally fine with me and totally possible. That's kind of the, how the arc of history normally works anyway. But I would love to see the United States do it. I don't think there's any country that's more um, able to benefit from it that would have uh, uh, the ability to lead on this effort then and also stand firmly within its principles. Um, and so uh, I am, I am uh, bullish on it, although if it doesn't happen, it really doesn't matter. The honey badger just doesn't care because it, it is a tool of freedom that will be found and used and wielded by somewhere, someone, and uh, it will deliver real, real benefits. And so, I just live here in the United States. Um, I would love to see that there. It's you know something that I love to see going to Bitcoin meetups, working with other people in the space who are making inroads here. And this is again not just you know lobbying a politician. This is like building infrastructure, circular economy in your community. That type of work is what gets us there. I mean, that's you know, Bitcoin beach is the reason why small is the reason why the whole El Salvador thing happened. Some randomly airdropped Bitcoin to a small community. And, you know, I, the first year I, people were coming back and saying, eh, it's just a couple of kids using it. And it, this is how these things progress. And so in the United States, we're just laying that infrastructure, but I think just looking at the ideals, the principles that we profess, are so uniquely aligned with Bitcoin in such a huge way that I think it would be an absolute miss for this country not to be the ones to adopt it. And, and by adoption, I don't necessarily mean, you know, politicians condoning it. I mean, everyday people making use of it and, and making the choice to bring it into their lives because it imbues them with more freedom than they had before, more economic sovereignty, freedom, power, safety, all of that. Uh, you touched on a little bit about this idea that we need to, I think, open up our borders so that an app like Fold can more easily be accessed around the world. Um, for the ignorant people like myself and most of our viewers who don't run multi-million dollar businesses that are trying to make it a global business, talk to us about those hurdles. Talk to us about the hurdles of trying to get Fold set up in other jurisdictions. Uh, you know, <clears throat> this is where let relying on legacy and you know stuff is just is gonna make it harder like that the whole legacy infrastructure was created to make it hard for new entrants to get up and running and moving fast and so at the end of the day i think when you are a company that is bridging the gap between traditional and the future of finance bitcoin you have to make really clear understanding of hey we're gonna we're gonna in we're gonna um involve the legacy system in this way but in this way, we're not because it's going to slow you down. You're not going to be able to move as fast. You're not going to go international. And so um, this is why I think things like Strike has done an, an amazing job about focusing um, on the transactional remittance side that allows peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin transactions, which is a core value proposition of Bitcoin. That allows you to move fast. Now, if you tried to go and partner with Western Union on doing all that, you're not going to really get anywhere. You might get a couple pilots here and there. And we, we saw that with a bunch of other shit coins and things like that trying to do that just doesn't go anywhere. And so at the end of the day, if you do want to make these big um, changes, you have to do things that are not reliant on those systems. You rely on the systems as much as you need to, but you create an opportunity for Bitcoin to shine without the kind of being tethered to a lot of this, this legacy stuff. And so all of the Bitcoin companies that I've mentioned today rely on legacy finance it's important on the parts that they don't rely, they, they choose to not rely on legacy finance for is really what separates Bitcoin companies from non-Bitcoin companies. And so I think we're gonna see a lot more uh, self-sovereign Bitcoin banks from the ground up start to 
um, start to appear that do not interface with legacy finance. And that's now only possible because the on-ramps are now much more prevalent. Before the problem was, how the hell do I convert, convert fiat into Bitcoin? Like that was a huge problem for a while. That's not really a problem anymore. And now that we have solved that, this provides a whole new scaffolding for Bitcoin native banks to arise that don't need to respect international boundaries as much. Um, now they will need to look a little bit different, right? You can't, can't operate a company like that necessarily from the United States. You're gonna have to find friendly jurisdictions to do that and make sure you're well protected in that way. But the possibility is there and we're only to see that accelerate. And so um, fold, one of our goals is to flood the ecosystem with more and more Bitcoin Bitcoiners to then be customers of those services. Like that's part of the reason why we work with so many other companies that you may, you may even look at them as competitors to us. For us, we just know that we exist at the top of the funnel and we're churning as many people into the Bitcoin ecosystem as possible. That only creates more and more incentive for new builders to come in, produce more services, more value to them. And that ultimately builds the ecosystem as a whole. I want to talk something out with you because it's kind of come into my head throughout this conversation. Um, we all talk about the idea that Bitcoin is going to usurp the dollar as the global reserve currency. I think everyone who is a pure Bitcoiner believes that to a degree. What you guys offer at Fold is a way to exchange your Bitcoin, at least right now, a way to exchange your Bitcoin for a gift card. So every time I need to go spend the way too much money on the hair products I buy off of Amazon to keep this flow looking as fresh as it does. I go and I essentially give, I, I don't actually do this, but if I were to give you some Bitcoin for this gift card, what you're letting me do is exchange one form of currency for Amazon's established form of currency, their gift card. In essence, you're almost operating in this scenario as some sort of a, a bank and exchange all in one where every single individual business can say, hey, we'll accept our own gift card. We'll also accept Amazon's gift card and we'll also accept US dollar. All of a sudden, once the dollar goes away, I almost feel like what you have there, that gift card model is sort of the future of what a Bitcoin as a medium of exchange could look like. When we talk about oh, all these different jurisdictions are gonna have a Bitcoin standard. They'll have, instead of gold back in their currency, they're gonna have Bitcoin. But in essence, what you're going to be able to do is exactly that. Give these individual businesses where Chris, me, and you are going to go have to transact for something, either good or service, and then turn around and say, well, they don't want the Bitcoin. You want the Bitcoin, and they've given you access to their currency that they see fit. Talk to us a little bit about how crazy I sound versus like what the reality of this future could look like. Yeah, I mean... There's a reason why, you know, gift cards have played such a critical role, early role in the world of, you know, in the world of Bitcoin. Just like there's no doubt that a stable coin has been very valuable to get into Bitcoin, um, gift cards have been very valuable to get out and then create this kind of cobbled together circular economy where these essentially currencies are just being exchanged all along the way for users to accomplish some sort of action. Uh, while preserving the, the freedom of, of Bitcoin. And so um, we know that Bitcoin will be demanded uh, in goods and for goods and services. You, you, you want to hold the best money. You want to accept the best money. Uh, but there may be a hops that you make uh, in various jurisdictions and places that you need to do to you know, accomplish the goal you want. Buy, some, buy your hair products, you know, get your coffee, you know, buy a house, things like that. And so I think you are imagining that world correctly. However, what is going to happen is that, you know, gift card industry was actually is, you know, runs and a, a secret of the gift card industry is that the reason why gift cards are such a business and why people love them or why the merchants love them is not because you get to gift them and get more customers. It's because most times the gift card is given, it's not used. And that is where the business model really comes in. And in a Bitcoin standard, that's truly an unacceptable um, uh, reality. And so um, you will get people that, that models like that, rent sinking models and things like that will, will go, go to the wayside, will get taken down. Um, but I think you're absolutely right of that, you know, Bitcoin being 
at the center of this kind of universal exchange asset is going to be absolutely the future. We're already seeing that happen um, and it's only gonna continue to accelerate. So ideally you won't have to hop to get your hair products and you will go straight uh, straight through with Bitcoin because the end merchant's gonna demand you pay with Bitcoin. And that's really, I do see gift cards as a, um, as a, as a required um, step in the evolutions of Bitcoin's adoption arc. Uh, but it's not something that necessarily has to be there for long-term. Thank you for making the ramblings of a crazy person sound coherent. <laughs> um, Will, I want to take a, a moment before I, I dissect a couple other things with you. Uh, you're going to be talking in Miami. Uh, there's going to be a ton going on. We're about just one day more than a week from industry day kicking off. Uh, you were there last year as well, and you gave a speech, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yep. What was one of the things from last year's conference that has stuck with you for the last 10 months? Um, oh my God. I, I mean, truly the thing that stuck with me is, you know, I've, I've been able to go to several, you know, of Bitcoin conferences uh, put on by, uh, by you all. And last year's was clearly the one saying something is, is ser seriously different. And this is even before any big announcements, anything like that, just, just, visually looking around at the people that were there, the size, the, um, the, the kind of culture, the fact that it was taking over an entire city is that Bitcoin has entered a new phase of its adoption cycle and is no longer this little group of, you know, of hackers and entrepreneurs coming together and, you know, trading ideas on Twitter and Reddit. Um, it is truly now hit a inflection point to hit on the world stage and in popular culture. And um, I think this year we're going to see uh, that even accelerate. It's going to even somehow, wow, in one year, how much we have continued to progress, I think is going to be pretty shocking. But I would say my favorite thing about good Bitcoin conferences is, is being with uh, uh, my friends. You know, this has been my community I've been building with for a long time, building with and building for uh, people that are, you know, useful. I've been good friends of mine, people I've built alongside who are building other companies, good friends of mine and being in a, in a, in a physical place where, you know, we can just, you know, hang out, enjoy what, this movement that we have been a part of has has gotten to and continue to watch us further it in various ways is always my favorite thing. And so it's definitely mostly just about, you know, hanging with the friends. Uh, is there one particular speaker this year that you are have told everyone at full, do not call me, do not book me, have to be there? I mean, I, I am just like the, the, the hype meter going on with that you guys are pushing out and that I'm kind of hearing whispers of is, is at such a shocking level that um, I think, you know, it's one of those things that no matter who you go see, you are going to be giving up missing someone else speak. And you're going to miss out on probably some world changing stuff. And um, that's going to be, you know, your gamble that you're going to get to play. But um, I am, I am looking forward to, you know, those are going to be headlines. We're going to, I know we're going to be able to, we're going to be able to watch those on, you know, mainstream news the day after. Uh, but truly the ones that I'm looking, I'm looking forward to is going to open source tent, um, looking at kind of on the ground, like there's a huge thing that's happening right now where certain Bitcoin companies and are getting at to a, you know, mainstream level, of, but there's a whole new layer of work that has to be done to continue uh, to improve um, how people utilize Bitcoin, not Bitcoin itself, but how people actually interface with it. And a lot of that is gonna come from open source development, new business models around how do you create a Bitcoin company that can be native, exist globally, and not be a central point of failure for, you know, uh, bias, you know, for a, a big, large group of customers or community members. And so I think we're starting to see a lot of business models change, uh, operational models change, and you're going to see, you're going to be able to hang out with people on the forefront of establishing those models in, in Miami. And so as much as the large headlines that we're going to, you know, we'll take over the big newspapers will be there. Also, the quieter stuff is also going to be just as, as life-changing. If you really want to know where Bitcoin's going, you should probably go to those smaller, smaller talks as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, here on the video team, the week after the conference, we're going to be obviously recording all the stages. So we promise to get you, Will, uh, anything that you missed that you would have liked to watch up on this channel. So 
Uh, I know we've been told we are not allowed to take vacations till a week after the conference. So <laughs> while the conference team finally gets to relax and they will have earned it by the end of the conference, we're going to still be slaving away, getting out videos and all the content of, of all the streams. So I was about to say, you got the vacation days approved? Like what? No, no, man. That's that's a word forbidden in my vocabulary. I don't even know what that is. So. Bitcoin does not take a vacation. You guys working for Bitcoin Magazine, unfortunately, signed up for this at the beginning. I'm, I'm surprised you even have a vacation policy. Bitcoin is 24-7, always on. So uh, I don't know. Get I, I think whoever whoever approved that, just, you know, take it while you can. Um, well, I'd love to maybe talk a little bit, and I should have started this conversation uh all the way over here i myself come from sort of the financial world and that's how bitcoin came to my purview i understood it through a more economic lens than the cryptography and the scientific uh computer science lens talk to us a little bit about how you first stumbled across bitcoin uh this is a you know a i think it's someone told me a couple I, that you know bitcoin strikes you know three times before you know it actually starts to really embed and take over others have told me hey i heard about it the first time and i totally got i understood how it changed the world and you know you know i can't believe it took you so long but um i had a couple very critical interactions with it um i was uh living down in argentina for a while it's the first time i ever heard about it um, during one of their defaults and a security researcher was the brother of the, you know, woman I was staying with, um, told me about Bitcoin and how he was all in. I could not believe that someone was doing this. And he actually, um, was able to weather, I believe three defaults as a result of this and preserve a lot of his wealth in this way. It's like, it just, it's just shocking to look back at the, the, you know, when someone has sees something so early and, and has skin in the game in such a large way so early. Um, so uh, I think there was was big. Um, that's where I first heard about it. Um, I was, you know, grew up in Northern California, where there's quite a bit of, um, you know, my first jobs before, you know, up until I was like 20 something, I was uh, working at wineries up north. And um, a lot of that is, you know, harvest season remittances, shocked to see, you know, um, the, the amount of money being funneled off these hardworking people, uh, didn't seem fair. And there was a, someone who came up to give a, uh, you know, we, we'd put on workshops like, you know, legal, legal help for these, you know, these people, uh, uh, food, medical shelter, and just kind of have open discussions and open workshops. And someone came up and did a Bitcoin talk on this. And I was like, okay, now I'm seeing how this affects people in my community. And, and it starts to get a little bit closer and closer and closer. And so um, got good experience with it. I occupy Wall Street uh, in Oakland. Um, and again, all of this was just like all very different, very different examples of what Bitcoin can do, you know, like uncensorable payment remittance and, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, escaping, you know, capital controls or bad monetary policy, like the three big things that Bitcoin can do very clearly. Um, and so I think it was really after that, that um, it just became such an inevitability for me. There was too many amazing things that it was doing in the lives of people I knew to, to, you know, not pay attention. And so uh, that is when I started to try to look at any possible way I could um, get involved, contribute on my own and me being a builder and someone who had uh, been an entrepreneur and other things um, clearly saw I could bring the, all these two together and, and solve at least one piece of the puzzle for for this very very large movement of people all working towards this. Love that. I'm I'm curious really quickly when it was brought up to you in Argentina, what were sort of your reservations on it? Uh, it's um, it's just something that first of all, being an American in Argentina. Like I was shocked to realize that there was no such thing as credit cards back then. Like I was like, I couldn't believe that people didn't have access to credit. Like everyday people couldn't go buy a car and pay, you know, in installments. Like it just didn't make sense. The economy could be hundred percent cash based, no concept of credit starting to think, okay, why is that the case? Um, and uh, it was really a, a, a true thing of your financial privilege and getting a perspective on, you know, that you don't know much about the world and, and, and how it operates very differently for different people in different places. And so um, that was just part of a series of understanding of what it means to live in a place that does not get the privilege of dollar 
supremacy. Um, and in fact, it's kind of on the other end of that stick of, you know, at the, the, the wrong end of that dollar supremacy. And so uh, getting a, a first class look, living with, with people there who are building lives and families uh, was an experience I'll never forget, even beyond Bitcoin. But just um, uh, it was one of those that, you know, you don't, you, you, you don't know what you don't know. And that was a huge pit of expanding my understanding of, of how the world works for most people. Will, where can our viewers and listeners learn more about you, be following you, keeping up to date with all the fold stuff? Uh, let's see. Um, we, I'm on at uh, WLRVS on Twitter, at uh, fold underscore app on Twitter, foldapp.com. Uh, check us out. Um, we have a pretty active community. So um, whether you are trying to figure out what the hell Bitcoin is, uh, how you can use it, how you can buy it, how you can earn it, you know, our community or myself will help you point in the right way. Again, it's pretty shocking how many amazing companies are out there that are doing amazing things. And um, there's no excuse now to not start your journey. So, um, uh, or just come up and say hi at in Miami. Uh, love talking with people and uh, I'll definitely be making my rounds. So looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to link up in Miami. All of you who want to come down to Miami, use code YTMAG to get 10% off of your tickets. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. And yes, we are not done yet. We are going to be joined shortly by Nolan. We're going to be joined shortly by Nolan for a new episode of The Breakup. So stick around. You're not going to want to miss it. (sighs) 